with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Hello, team. How are we this morning? Is it cold? I can't remember now. If I got up this morning and thought it was cold, or if I didn't think it was cold. Either way, yesterday, it was cold. And that was the time I didn't have the right coat on. You walk out and you've got the wrong blooming coat on. I've gone cup mad this morning, I'm afraid. Cup mad. Going round the building, thinking, why can't people... T-? I mean, I'm a bit funny about tidying up. I'm not, you know, not sort of obsessed with tidying up. But I cannot understand why people... If you've got a dishwasher, and I don't have a dishwasher... I have a dishwasher in, in two hands, like most of you. And I can manage to wash a cup up and put it upside down on the draining board, and that's fine. Here, there'll people who fill up a sink and everything else. And there's a dishwasher underneath, which is empty. All you've got to do is pull the door down. You don't have to put a key or code in or anything. You just pull it down and you put the cups in there. Also, and also, some people... There's, there's, there's a wrapper upstairs in one of the cups. And I think it's from one of the coffee things. But they've left the wrapper in there. There's a bin right next to it. It drives me crackers, it really does. Anyway, all of that to one side. It is nice to be company. Hope you're well this morning. A uh, lot to get through. As usual, we'll be canvassing your uh, your thoughts on a variety of issues. The kind of things that you worry about as the weather gets worse and you start thinking about, how much do I budget for Christmas? And also, I can tell you what I'm doing over Christmas. I can tell you what I'm doing over Christmas. I think you're going to be quite pleased. I think you're going to be quite pleased. Because on... Um, Strangely enough, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are the weekend. And I don't work the weekend, as you know. I am this year. Because on Christmas Eve, which is the Saturday, uh, I'll be on between 7 and 10 in the evening. So we can can look out for Father Christmas together, because he's got a lot to get through. And then on Christmas Day, I'll be here from 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. So if you're not celebrating, because there might be lots of people who don't celebrate Christmas, then you can you can share the misery with me on the Christmas Day. And on the Boxing Day, I'll be here between 10 and 2. So we can have two days of sheer misery. How cool is that? How cool is that? So that's what we're doing over Christmas. And then for the following week, we're, we're as normal in the morning. And uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. Very much looking forward to it. So uh, so that that's the Christmas sorted out. So I'm working the, the Saturday and the Sunday, and then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then off... I think on the Monday, because I think the Monday's a bank holiday. So uh, try, and, try and plan your Christmas around that one, please. Otherwise, it'll get very confusing for you. You'll be turning on the radio going, wait a minute, I don't know where he is at the moment. I'm, I'm losing track of this one. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, we got, there were loads of uh, texts and emails I never got round to yesterday. Absolutely loads and loads of them. And, and I'm just trying to find some of them to, uh, to put them back into the programme, because they, they, they sort of came in... And then I, then I lost track of them. And actually, I, m- I remember thinking at the time, Dan, I must definitely say good morning to, because Dan was presumably working on the buses. And I don't know when, they, uh, when they, he sort of moves. He's, he's, he's planned on moving. Everybody's planning on moving at the moment, aren't they? And yesterday, we were talking about your favourite TV programmes, you know, like Catchphrase, because they were talking about blockbusters. Now, as you've heard, because Christo mentioned it, they're going to bring back Jim will fix it. And this time, it's with Shane Ritchie. Uh, now, whether or not it's, it's a trial programme or whether or not they've been commissioned, I've got no idea. Is it the sort of programme you can bring back with somebody or is it the, the sort of programme that should best be left in the archives and you leave it sitting there? I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it's been on for about 20 years, has it? We did watch it. I had a producer once who, uh, who, who did write in to get to see her favourite group because that was always the good one, wasn't it? If you wrote in and you got a group and they went, oh, that's nice. We can stick a group on there, which is very good. Uh, there's the downside of losing weight. 
and uh, and poor Tamara Eccleston on the recession, more deluded than you can ever imagine, Paul. So the trouble is not her fault. It'd be like asking Prince Andrew, you know, how, how do you manage your finances, uh, or Prince Edward. That they they just uh, people deal with that. The Queen Mother was hugely in debt, owed millions, but it was the Queen Mother who's actually going to turn her down for a loan. Because people get themselves, and this this year will be worse. People will, will will get themselves into more debt because it's Christmas, and because if you've got kids, they want presents. Great when they grow up, don't have to buy them presents. Excuse me. Me slurping tea first thing in the morning. I've come to. The, I've got this dreadful habit recently of leaving the tea bag in. I don't normally do that. My mother used to. We used to have proper tea. You know, PG tips. It went into a little thing in the kitchen. You pushed a button because if you're making a pot of tea, who makes pots of tea now? I see teapots turning up on the Antiques Roadshow. I've never seen anybody use one. Although there's probably loads of you this morning going, I'm just about to have a cup of tea, Steve, so thank you very much indeed. Didn't think it long before Freddie Starr gave up the ghost, as it were. And uh, they reckon he's, uh, he's caught some sort of food poisoning. He's an odd person, you know, he's very strange. He's not all there in the head department. And the, one of the papers has, has done a rundown on the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here because uh, they've said that Mark Wright is just cheesy, now, cheesy is not good. Cheesy is naff, you know. And I think he's acting. I think because he's, he's out of his comfort zone, I think he's sort of acting and he's doing it badly. If, if, if this is an audition, it's, it's great for getting a calendar out for next year, but that's about as far as you're going to go, I'm afraid. Jason Gardner is in all the papers today. As you know, you probably heard this story yesterday because it, it, it took a strange twist and uh, he was mugged. Two people mugged him. Uh, when I think he was uh, walking through Stockwell just after 7pm on Sunday evening. And um, he lives there. He says, I was mugged by two hooded black youths who held a knife to my head. Sorry, knife to my throat. uh, And all for an iPhone. Apart from being shaken, I'm fine. I'm saddened more than anything and disgusted with where our society is heading. Uh, And then one person wrote to him on his Twitter page and said, "Um, you didn't really need to refer to their colour. It was not necessary. And Jason tweeted back and said, yes, it absolutely was. It's not racist. When somebody's been mugged, what you're doing is telling the police what they're looking for. You know, what, what are you looking for? Um, a person. Well, what do they look like? I can't tell you. Well, 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 well were they were sort of white, black, pink, green, tall, short, lots of hair, no hair? What do they look like? You've got to build up a profile of what somebody looks like. You've got to narrow it down a bit. So the one person wrote in and said, it was everybody else, of course, said, don't be so ridiculous. He was mugged at knife point. He was giving a description of what you're looking for. First of all, you're not looking for a little old granny, are you? I mean, everybody's got something which distinguishes them. You know, might be a little old granny wearing a bad wig with freckles. I don't know. But it wasn't. It was two hooded black youths who held a knife to his throat. So that's two black youths going around with knives. I thought we'd almost dispense with them, but quite clearly we've not. So that's not, unfortunately, racist when it comes to identifying somebody. So we'll see where, uh, where that one goes. Other stories of the papers today. Wayne Rooney has hired a firm of award-winning architects to design him a shed. They've thought, actually, with this family background, they'd be well used to sheds. And uh, Jason Orange and Catherine Tate are pictured as a couple. I don't know why, they're just out walking. You know, he's actually carrying a bag, he's grown a beard, and she's chatting to him. Doesn't give me any indication they're a couple at all. Just gives me an indication it's two people walking down the pavement, which is a, which is a little bit odd today. And um, I do love Ali Ross talking about uh, one of the funniest statements ever released by the offices of Simon Cowell. And the statement says, the welfare of contestants is very important to everyone at the X Factor, which is true, kind of. 
Unless, of course, you're unhinged, off your chump, mad as a bipolar bear, in a traffic jam, and eligible for some sort of state welfare, you're unlikely to make the show's final 16 or get much screen time of the audition. There are dozens of examples. Goldie Chung, Wagner, Chico, Storm Lee, Johnny Robinson, Kitty Brooknell, David Wilder. I mean, you know, Exhibit A, of course, is quite clearly Frankie Cocosa. The moment he dropped his trousers, he was guaranteed to go through as much as possible and egged on by a fawning Dermot O'Dreary who kept saying, oh, not much sleep did you get last night, nudge, nudge. So they were milking it for all they could get. Unfortunately, the whole thing backfired on them. And uh, and then somebody goes out, and then somebody comes back in again. And Ali Ross sums up Amy Childs. He says, it's all about Amy. He said, it's all a bit samey. And that's the trouble. She's one-dimensional. She is one-dimensional. She's thick. She's not a businesswoman. She's just some girl who's prepared to get a kit off. You know, I don't know many businesswomen who take their, their kit off for TV programmes. So, not a businesswoman. You know, having a little, you know, vajazzling salon and doing people's nails is not a businesswoman, love. Let me just point that out to you. Businesswoman is somebody intelligent. You're not particularly bright. However, on Sunday night, the jungle helicopters lifted off. And there we had Screaming Mary... Anthony Cotton, and as Ali Ross said, please don't let him win. Please, God, don't let him win. He's an irritating little so-and-so at the worst of times. And uh, we know because he did a lunchtime chat show that was canned after one series because it was so goddamn awful. It was really dreadful. But uh, he says, uh, you, you've got all the people there, you know, third-person speaking, Mark Wright and Fatima Whitbread, who's got 11 major records, world records at MB, and a moustache that she's been growing for November, he says. That. <laughs> and, of course, she does look like that book. I mean, she does, you know, as Butch goes in sort of, in sort of athletics terms, she is fairly Butch. And he says, you'll know whether or not by this weekend the mixture has worked. It looks highly promising and has already included one moment of dialogue to treasure. Hi, I'm Stephanie Powers. I have no idea who you are. Hi, I'm Anthony Cotton. Hi, I'm Stephanie Powers and I still have no idea who you are. Which is quite good. Stephanie Powers, by the way, is um, nearly 70. I mean, it doesn't seem possible that she's nearly 70. She came in here. Well, you, I mean, I'm, I'm quite used to talking to uh, elderly people, so I look at myself in the mirror every morning, so I don't have any problem with things like that. But when I discover that Petula Clark is 79, I start thinking, crikey, it's all moving on apace, isn't it? And Lady Gaga took deluded Kitty Brooknell to her dressing room after the wannabe was booted off. Good, that's the last we've ever seen of you. Goodbye. Go away. Go away. Off you go. And she says, anyway, I'm now seriously going to do sexy. No, you've lost. The competition is to win. I don't know, you know, whether or not somebody's explained the, the process of entering a competition now. But the idea is, if, if you're running a race, it's no good coming third. You know, you're supposed to win the thing. Quite clearly, you're not up to it. You're a bit delusional. A little bit funny. As funny as, as we told you yesterday, Nancy Delolio, who's writing a book on, on sexual relationships... Not that she's managed to keep one for very long. She's going to give you her bedroom secrets. <laughs> I can only assume, first of all, find an old man and uh, and then sort of, and then milk it as much as you can. That's exactly what she did. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. The relaxing of security checks at airports and ports could be on a wider scale than first thought. The Home Secretary admits a pilot scheme to reduce some passport checks was used at almost 30 locations. It comes as a leaked email claims proper checks haven't been made on some private jets arriving in the UK. The cost of fuel is talked about by MPs later after 100,000 people signed an online petition. It's triggered the debate where MPs will be asked to vote on a possible system which could help stabilise prices. A number of anti-capitalism protesters have been arrested 
after gathering outside the Guildhall during the Lord Mayor's banquet. Demonstrators, dressed up in dinner jackets, floor-length dresses and pig masks, described the dinner as a symbolic event of the rich and powerful. Take a break, shall we? Try and out the state of the roads for you this morning in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. Jay Louis. In 97.3, Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square, which is going to be invaded this afternoon. Leicester Square is going to be invaded. Who by? I'll give you a clue. There'll be a lot of ladies uh, of a certain age, probably wearing sequins and with their hair done up. Uh, drug of choice for the event, HRT. OK, getting closer. Getting closer to what's happening in Leicester Square today. Cliff Richard. There is a screening of his DVD... Soulicious, soulicious, and in fact, Joan is coming from the Isle of Wight. Others from Newcastle, Liverpool, Exeter. She says, "Prepare for lots of happy singing and dancing women of a certain age." I have to tell you that we have we've dug Leicester Square up. In fact, you can't actually get into Leicester Square. You can walk round the outside, Joan, but I'm not sure whether or not you can get much much further. So I don't know where they're having the screening, but it, it'll be interesting. So enjoy yourself. Wrap up warm today. God, it was cold yesterday. Blimey, it was freezing. It really was. And every time I, I turned on the television, I was looking at different things and people going, oh, happy shoppers and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and Paul in Manchester says, excellent news about the Christmas schedule. Are you live on Christmas Day? Yes. Yes, I am absolutely live on Christmas Day. Uh, t- to be honest with you, I think if you're doing a show and it's ten till two, it's got to be live, hasn't it? And there's going to be loads of people. He said, will you be doing a Vicar of Dibley and having three Christmas dinners? I'm not sure this year if I'm going to get any Christmas dinners. Because by the time I finish at two, it's going to be a little bit late to sort of get down to my brother's. Unless we sort of we eat at five o'clock or something. I suppose we could eat at five o'clock. It could be, could be possible. And, uh, and on the Boxing Day, when I would normally... I, I would probably go to the Godship. I don't think I could manage anything to eat after that. I might just nip down there and see them anyway. I've got to try and remember how you get through the outskirts of London. It's, I, I did this once before, because I can only go a certain route to Essex, but I know that there is a, a simpler way to go. So, And say hello to Diana, please, he says, as she finally had the procedure on Friday and doing well. Early Christmas present for our thousand-plus little group. There you go. Thank you very much indeed for that one. I'll tell you what I did uh, notice the other... Uh, you remember I mentioned the Alfie Bow song, Over the Hills? Well, yesterday when I mentioned it, it had 413 views. By the time I checked this morning, it's got 1,600 and something. So quite clearly, more than uh, nearly, you know, 1,200 of you logged on to have a look at it. It's a great song. I wish they'd just let the whole thing run, because it goes into some drumming after the, when he finished singing Over the Hills and Far Away. And it's brilliant. Uh, last week, talking about Lapland, says Hannah. Remember to mention it's in Finland. There's also a Lapland in Sweden and Norway, but the real Santa come from Finnish Lapland. We know. I mean, not only... We, we've done both. It is Finland. I'm Finnish myself, and it always annoys me. Well, you mustn't get annoyed, Poppet. I've met Finnish people. They generally don't... They can't be bothered with things. They drink, you know. They don't really care, you know. We just know we're going to have snow. Oh, by God, it was cold. And, um, and we were inside the Arctic Circle. And that's when you get the northern lights, the aurora borealis, as they say. And it was lovely. It was really, really... Yeah, I could live there. I could live in snow for six months of the year. I could absolutely live in snow for six months, provided I'm inside the log cabin and there's lots of firewood and there's hot chocolate and muffins and stuff like that. It was uh, really good. Really, really good. Um, in the papers today, when... T- oh, I think it's too early to talk about Christmas toys. Don't you think it's too early? I mean, re- parents are going, Steve, please don't, please don't do Christmas toys. It's bad enough, you know, when the kids listen to the uh, the radio and they go, oh, Steve Allen just mentioned this toy. We haven't got that one. 
Because there's all sorts of things going to be your toys this year. So we'll talk about that nearer the time. Uh, Sarah enjoyed Westlife on Loose Women. They were very professional, such nice guys. They are very professional. We had them on in conversation. Quite charming. Quite charming. He says they sang Flying Without Wings in the new single Lighthouse. Pity they're going their separate ways, but I will be buying the Farewell album. Um, I, th- I think they'll. I think what they'll do is, far be it from me to be cynical at this time of the morning, I think what they will do is split up, They'll have a rest for a little while, and then probably in about three years' time, they'll get back back together again for a tour. Like they all do. All these groups do it. They all have a rest, and then they go out there on... Look at Black Sabbath. They've been split up for goodness knows how long, but they're going back on tour again. And I'm thinking, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure if anybody was interested in Black Sabbath. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne's off his trolley, so I suppose that'll make it marginally interesting. But I, I did like Paranoid. That was one of the few singles I liked, because they all came out about the sort of time that I was, I was buying music. And I think I did buy it. I did buy it. <laughs> 84850, uh, Penelope Keith has waded into the row over television. Nobody ever wades into the row over radio. They always wade into the row over television, saying there are not enough family programmes. There are not enough programmes on the television that appeal to the family. And I was thinking, what constitutes a family programme? Because I can watch Ant and Deck uh, with their Saturday night takeaway, and it's very good, except it's, it's full of naff celebrities. And when I say naff celebrities, I mean reality show celebrities. If I was the producer of the programme, I would have, like some club owners in London, a blanket ban on anybody who's ever been in a reality show. Because they're not celebrities, they're just egotistical little non-entities... Uh, who agents want to make money out of very quickly because they've got short shelf life. I don't. Th- I can't think of anybody who who has uh, endured from the reality shows. Same as the X Factor. Britain's got. Can you tell me who won Britain's Got Talent last year? No. You see, you have to think about it because they're all so disposable. Can you tell me two years ago who who won the X Factor? And you'll struggle to think who it is. You know, and you and you go was. Oh, I don't know because it's only of the moment. The moment it finishes. You know, that's it. Whereas when Penelope Keith was making things like uh, The Good Life as Margot led better into The Manor Born, she said they, they were commissioned because they were good. It was, it was family entertainment. It was good. You never heard rudeness in Into The Good Life and you never heard rudeness into The Manor Born. It was just a family programme. She said now, she said, people fill in forms saying which audience they were targeting. The producer has, has got to say, right, so this programme's targeted at who? And people are going, well, I don't know. I mean, whoever wants to watch it. That's why they've got big audiences. You know, and we watch I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Not because you're remotely interested in the celebrities, because you're hoping that somebody's parachute won't open when they send them into the jungle. And it makes the programme marginally more interesting. You know, should Freddie Starr, you know, have to have a gastric bypass, that makes it interesting, because we like miserable things on television. Nobody wants nice people sitting around. The X Factor would be so boring if it was people who could really sing, who actually stood up there, and, and it was a proper singing competition, like they have, like, like Eurovision. That's why some of the entries that we've actually put up for Eurovision are deep embarrassment for us, because they can't sing. You sit there going, oh... God, what did they put them up for? And the reason is, you, unless it's, it's blue, and they didn't do very well, did they? So even established groups can't do well on, on things like 
uh, the Eurovision Song Contest. But that, that's a singing competition. The X Factor is about whether you're on benefits and whether they're going to expose you before the end of the series, or whether you've, uh, you know, serviced a number of young ladies in nightclubs, or, or, or whether or not you're prepared to stand there and have a shouting argument with the judges and behave badly. And then afterwards, you know, when we, we sort of... It's like the Susan Boyle syndrome. On comes this shabby old woman. Why didn't they dress her up when she first walked on? Why did they allow her to walk on... And they go, and, and Simon raises his eyes and, and does all this kind of thing. Oh, who's this old woman coming on? Sorry, what, what, what's the dream? I, I want to sing. And she stood there looking for all the world like they just dragged her out of some remedial school. And then, magically, by the time she'd actually won the thing, the complete makeover. And when she goes out, the hair's done. Barmy as a brush, but goes out there and does all these things. But she's not got a great voice. It's, it's an OK voice. It's an, it's an OK singing in the choir voice. That's as far as it goes, I'm afraid. But she has had her third number one, knocking the likes of Cher Lloyd off. Always makes me feel a bit better about life, I'm afraid. If you can always sort of get rid of some people. And I always think, yeah, it's very sweet, Cher, but um, it's been done now, OK? We've seen the people behaving badly, so that they then go, oh, there's a bit of an edge to you. And, uh, and then we see the after bit where they have to start towing the line. Because if you don't sell albums, nobody's interested. The whole business, it, it's not about whether you're angry, nasty, unattractive, shoplifter, couldn't care less. Can you sell albums? If you can't sell albums, they don't want you. And if by this time next year, Cher Lloyd is not selling albums, she won't have a contract. And she'll be out there like lots of other people going, well, I had my dream and mm, what do we do now? The answer is, who knows? Downton Abbey, they're all going to be dancing, I think, for, uh, for, uh, for a certain charity. And uh, it's, it's for a special Christmas special, I think. So people like Amy Nuttall... Uh, Claire Galbraith, Jessica Brown-Findlay, who plays Lady Sybil. I don't know which one she is. Uh, Zoe Boyle plays Lavinia Swire. Such a good name, that. Uh, Joanna Froggett plays Anna, maid. Doesn't really have a surname, maid. So just go Anna or something like that. Or You Girl, which is very funny. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, too much television can depress women. Women get depressed watching... I don't know why... Why would that, that would be? The more hours you spend in front of the television, the more likely you are to get the blues. Women aged 46 and above, who watched three hours or more a day, were 13% more likely to be diagnosed with depression than those who hardly ever tuned in. Because I do that. I sit down on the settee, click, on with the television. I'm not a woman, I appreciate. OK, I've dressed up a couple of times. It's my business. Nothing to do with you. Don't know why I even told you. And, and you sort of watch a bit of... T- and sometimes I sit there thinking, gosh, there's nothing on... I'm not at all surprised that overnight radio in London gets such big audiences on LBC 97.3. Because you turn on the television, it's rubbish. It's, uh, why on earth does anybody think in the programming department you're going to be remotely interested in American football? Who gives a flying forex about American football? Uh, you sit there, there's some huge man. He's enormous, he's put on so much weight, and he's discussing things I don't even know what he's talking about. And I sit there and they go, and this is line fourth. And you think, what are you on about? This is Britain. We don't do American football. We don't care. We really don't care. Yes, of course, you think differently. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. It is LBC 97.3. And it is 5.30. Morning, everybody. Still to come why Tesco's have given up sponsoring cancer and instead they're sponsoring gay pride. This has upset one columnist in the papers today, uh, saying why are they, uh, you know, concentrating on, uh, well, basically people mincing up and down the, uh, the streets, he said, as opposed to concentrating on cancer. Now, to be honest with you, 
we, we, we can talk about charity later on, because I think as a country, I think we give big to charity. There are so many calls on our time of giving to charity, and we do give, you know, a lot. I mean, there are also, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't give to anybody who's sitting on the streets. With, with dog or without, I couldn't care less. I'm really not interested. As far as I'm concerned, everybody can do something. You know, unless there's something physically the matter with you. But we even have it in, in Twickenham. We have somebody who sits on the pavement. He used to play the violin badly. And uh, and he just sits there and people give him money. Think, well, you're not solving the problem. Just giving somebody money for sitting on the street doesn't make the problem go away. But we do give, don't we? Generally, after a few drinks, somebody wanders into a pub and we go, well, I'll give you that. I don't. Anybody comes around a pub, I don't give them a penny piece. It doesn't make me mean. I just uh, I just choose not to give to people like that. I think I'm quite generous when it comes to giving. I think I'm, I'm quite a generous person. I mean, I, I like to do my... In fact, I was looking through the cupboard the other day. We've got these... Oh, I shouldn't really tell you this. I've got these two Barbie dolls in the cupboard. And I've decided she's faffed around next door about which one she... I'm giving both of them to her. Take them home, take them out the cupboard. Because every time I look in the cupboard now, they're now... No, they're, they're a present. Sorry. They're now getting on my nerves. I'm now getting quite annoyed with Barbie. And it's not like me. Well, I tell... We, we will stick them in a bag today and you take them home. OK, simple as that. Uh, Hannah says, thank you for mentioning Finland. We do drink a lot, it's true. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me about the national occupation. Vodka. I've seen the vodka. It's lovely. She says, I work nights and always listen to your show. I love it. You hate Z-listers as much as I do and you make my morning. I don't actually hate Z-listers. I just think we're spending too much time with them. You know, and they, and they then get, I mean, the Arge, that's the fat bloke out of The Only Way is Essex, a more delusional programme, you know, a more bunch of unattractive people you'd be hard-pushed to find, you know, with nothing to contribute. I mean nothing. You know, just nothing to contribute. No matter how much one of their agents contacts me and says he's a very nice person. He might be a very nice person, but he's got nothing. I've seen no evidence of any talent... You know, there. I mean, I, I, I see a way of making some money out of somebody, but I don't see any talent. And now the Arge, the fat one, who's a complete plonker, he's, he's saying, I'm in talks for my own reality show. With what talent? What, you know, television has dumbed down so much. I knew it dumbed down. I told you before, when, when Channel 5 put on OK TV, a quite a good concept, and stick Jeff Brazier presenting it. Who in God's name ever decided this man could string two words together? It's like, I turned on this morning the other day, and, and there was Colleen Nolan. I mean, and I was, and I, so I, I then got, because I'm a bit like that, I got out a picture of Colleen when she made her fitness DVD. And then I looked at Jabba the Hutt on television. It was in my wallet, yes. I would look at the picture. I remind myself of how slim I could become. You know, because at Christmas time, you're all going to be overeating. You're all going to be going, oh, Steve, I wish I'd not eaten that. We all wish we had Velcro on our tummies that you could open up and take the food out and you'd be thin again. You know, that's what we're all hoping. It, uh, some people are thin, some people are fat. I'm destined to be slightly on the plumpish side. You know, that's, that, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. But I'm looking at Colleen Nolan. And, and I'm thinking, you can just about struggle through reading some things. And then they bring on some other people. And it was just awful. It was just lame presenters. It was people who, you know, they just didn't seem to have it. But once they're on television, they seem to stick there for ages. And Jeff Brazier's done loads of things, and he's still terrible. He's t and so they've decided to axe the programme, which kind of came as good news to me. But on the other hand, I keep thinking, oh, dear God, I hope it's not a programme of Vanessa Feltz again. 
You know, because that's the last person you want to see on the television. A woman who dresses the same age as her two daughters, which I find slightly odd, you know, when you've got sort of the heifer lump and then you've got the two daughters and they're all wearing roughly the same kind of outfits. It's not a good look, I'm afraid. Uh, Angela and Bob, in Pratt's Bottom, poor souls, uh, said, said Pratt's Bottom will always welcome you should you need a Marks and Spencer mince pie and a cup of Twining's Assam tea. And uh, will you be taking calls on any of your days over the uh, Christmas period? The answer is yes. OK. I mean, it's, I, I don't commit myself too much, you know, because, it, because once I've gone down that route. But, I mean, to be honest with you, as you've got four hours of me on Christmas morning and four hours on Boxing Day, you can either listen to me droning on, which, of course, I can do for the country. I don't have any problem with that. But uh, it'd be quite nice to find out what you're doing Christmas I know, you know, some people... Not everybody celebrates. I remember one year when I first started doing it, and, um, and I thought, well, we'll open up the phone lines. I mean, this, this is going back when I was six or seven, I think. And, um, and, and I used to get all these kids coming on and say, so what did you get from Father Christmas? They'd go, nothing, I'm Jewish. And every call that came through was Jewish, which was fantastic. So in the end, I gave up. I gave up completely. I said, did, did you get any nice presents for Hanukkah? You know, did anybody sort of give you presents? And then if you're Polish, you have two Christmases. You have the 6th of December, which is presents, and then you have the 24th, which is more presents, which is cool. And they do the same in Spain. And you think, and here is us, boring old Brits. When do we get them? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. No, sorry, Christmas Day. A lot of people do Christmas Eve and have that. So this year, I don't think I'm going to be getting my, uh, my, my Christmas dinner. I might just... Sorry. Getting a bit emotional. I might just have to sit here with a small sausage. Nothing new there. And, uh, and that'll be my celebration for Christmas Day. <laughs> There's nothing like milk. I might have to go to the Salvation Army. That'll be a first, won't it? Steve Allen turns up at the Salvation Army. So have you got any Christmas lunch left for me, please? Because <laughs> some people love Christmas. I mean, I always look forward to it. I always look forward to the, to the whole thing. I love seeing people's Christmas trees. I could sit there and stare at Christmas trees for ages. I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at things like that. I can get quite, quite teary-eyed. Paul Cooper the other day had to go down and cut some of the Christmas trees for Twickenham. And I think he cut down ten yesterday. 15-footers. 15-footers. Huge. These things are enormous. And we're putting those around the town centre. So, in fact, we'll have more trees this year, God willing, when you come down for the, uh, for the switching on on the 25th, uh, than you've ever seen before. Even I think it's going to be a, a proliferation of trees. But I love it. I just absolutely love it. Uh, Steve, only three sleeps to go before Winter Wonderland opens. Looks amazing, says Kev. I can't wait. It opens. The trouble is that there's, there's too much going on in my life this week. Far too much going on. Because uh, this week it's the International Magic Convention. And so there'll be lots of magicians in town and lots of, of people trying to sell me magic. And it'll always work, actually. It'll always work, because I, I just like buying magic. And then the Winter Wonderland opens, I think, on the... 18th, so 15th day, so th- three sleeps, and then whoopee-doo, and, and I would love it to snow. I know the rest of you won't either, but, uh, but I will. Strange enough, Nick Ferrari will not be talking about that. He's gonna be t- Nick's going to be talking about something. It's going to drive you crackers this morning. It's going to drive you crackers. It's on one of the papers, and it's the fact that in Oxford, not in London, but it might, it might come to London, all conversations are going to be recorded in the back. So if you're sitting in the back and you're on the phone, they will be recording that and... They will have a uh, CCTV camera in as well. And the reason is that they'll be doing it to protect people who then argue about the fair. How many people argue about the fairs in Oxford? I've never got out of a cab and argued about the fair. You watch the meter ticking over and you think, oh, God, don't stop in another traffic jam. It'll go up another notch. You know, just when you get to the end, it goes, click, goes up with your blast. So in Oxford, they're actually going to do it. And then 
And all 650 licensed cabs... Oh, 600... God, we've got more than 650 plying round Trafalgar Square of a night time, illegally. But uh, the City Council said it's trying to protect drivers. So Nick will talk about that this morning. Now, I can just imagine that most of you... Sorry, my stomach's playing up this morning. I know, it's having a, it's having a field day today. It's like the industrial waterworks of Walt Disney World. But uh, it, you're all going to have a field day, aren't you? For the simple reason that you either love cabs or a bit marmite. You either love cab drivers or you don't like cab drivers. You're going to get all the cab drivers phoning up going, you know, well, you know, we do get a lot of problems with, with people. Most cab drivers are quite selective on who they will take. You know, so if somebody looks slightly dodgy or they look as they're about to be sick, you're not going to take them in the back of your cab because that's going to be out all night. So standing there, you, go, uh, uh, you know, they're not going to touch you with a barge pole. So I always attempt to sort of hang on to a lamppost. Makes me look sort of, you know, less gullible than the rest of the people out there on the road. And then, of course, you just get the illegal minicabs and they couldn't care less who they take. Makes, makes no difference to them at all. So they won't have the CCTV in it. But I bet you anything... That's the one that was going to get going this morning with Nick Ferrari. It's going to be the cabs. It's going to, people say, we don't want that. It's like Big Brother, isn't it? Although in this building, I went downstairs, when was it? A couple of days ago. And just as I walked through the front door, he said, I've just seen you open the door and go into this floor. Because each, each one of our passes, showing here, uh, is, is chipped and my photo comes up. So in other words, when I use it to open a door... Yeah, they, Oz knew where I'd been. He said, because you're, he said, I've just watched you going through this door. He said, because your photo comes up. He goes, Steve Allen. And so they, they, they can almost track your... You, you, well, you track me by my stomach. I mean, you don't need to have a, a pass for Steve Allen. So Nick will be talking, not my stomach, but talking about the, uh, the cabs this morning, <laughs> which is good, actually. I'm off to Iceland next week uh, to see the Northern Lights from my... 50th birthday. Can't wait. On my own for Christmas. So delighted you'll be on air to keep me company. I hope you get to see them. It, we, we had no trouble seeing the, the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. It's the gases, isn't it? And they're blues and green. It's, it's quite pretty. They're, they're a bit paler than you think. They're a bit paler, but I promise you it's, it's well worth it. Steve, which Christmas Day lunch won't you be having this year? I don't know. I think probably Christmas Day is, is my brother. So I think if, if I say to him, listen, let's eat at four... It's a bit of a late time to eat four, but that's OK. They'll just have to have snacks and things like that, which is good. Uh, Steve, you're so right. Have you noticed what ITV are doing these days? Joe won pop star to opera star. Stacey won the jungle, both from X Factor. Yes, yes. Although she actually got the, uh, the Iceland advert, didn't she? So, and she was on Blue Peter the other day. I'm sorry, I've got an issue with Blue Peter at the moment. It's children's television programmes. There's, there's, there's a very good one from Australia. It's a bit desperate, isn't it? We've got to put a, an Australian... And it's called Pranking. And what they do is... Kids write in and set up their friend. Charming, isn't it? And they go, can you, can you set up my friend? So they've set up things. And there's this guy in Australia who's obviously a young go-ahead presenter. And he's, uh, he's sort of there to help set up the prank. And they do it in a laundrette where all the bubbles come out of the machine. All that kind of stuff. Or they scare people with computer graphics or something like that. And then I turn on Blue Peter... And I swear to God, the girl yesterday was wearing false eyelashes. The studio's about the size of a matchbox. And the bloke, who's Barney, who they obviously like at the BBC, cannot dress for toffee. He looks... He looks like you want to take him... You know, somebody needs to take him to wardrobe and go, listen, these look like clothes he wears all the time. Could you put him in something that makes him look a bit smarter? He's a children's television presenter. The kids appearing on the programme were smarter than the blooming presenters. Girl's all right, but uh, they've now only got two presenters and a dog who I'd never seen before. And they, they sort of sit there. He just looks grubby. Grubby-looking jeans, hair unkempt and a beard. 
a children's presenter with a beard. They're all supposed to be, you know, reflective of the age that they're appealing to. Sadly not, I'm afraid. Unless, of course, you think differently. Do you remember those good children's programmes? I mean, Blue Peter was wholesome. Blue Peter was absolutely wholesome. You know, you could turn on and you knew that Valerie Singleton, they they all spoke properly. Now, they're almost like doing their own act to amuse themselves in the studio. So, Barney, who we do love... He's, he's got very hairy arms. Can you can you kind of dress properly? You know, just just do us a favour, can you? A little bit old to be wearing those sort of jeans, I think. So let's have a little bit more studio discipline. That would make me a lot happier. These are the headlines. At quarter to six, the former head of the UK Border Force, who resigned in a dispute with Home Secretary Theresa May, will be questioned by MPs today. Brodie Clark's appearance comes as fresh evidence reveals the extent to which the UK's border controls were relaxed over the summer, including 28 ports and airports across the UK. In his speech at the Lord Mayor of London's banquet last night, David Cameron revealed details about weapons of mass destruction in Libya. He said it's emerged, although Gaddafi agrees to declare and dismantle all his weapons of mass destruction, the new Libyan authorities have found chemical weapons that were kept hidden from the world. And MPs are to debate rising fuel prices in the Commons later. A number 10 e-petition has attracted more than 100,000 signatures, calling for lower petrol duties. And we'll all say amen to that one. Down to the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre, Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, South. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to uh, 6. Nice to have your company. It's LBC 97.3. So, guess which, which columnist has written this? OK, it's the Guess the Columnist part of the programme. Tesco has ended its support of cancer research and is sponsoring a gay pride festival. Why? writes this columnist. I'm all for big business, giving back to the community, but why choose a self-indulgent celebration of homosexuality over saving lives? If gays want to dress up as Carmen Miranda or mince up and down the mall in nothing but their knickers, that's fine by me. But why would Britain's biggest supermarket want to be associated with such an event at the expense of cancer victims? Try to imagine the board meeting which came up with that decision. Item four. As a company, we believe in thanking our customers for their support by giving to charity. For the past ten years, we've been backing cancer research. Now it's time for a change. Any thoughts? Uh, age concern? Uh, Dr Bernardo's? I hear what you say, George, but let's think outside the box. Well, maybe we should donate money to the British Legion or help for heroes. RSPCA, everybody loves animals. No, I don't think so. Far too conventional. Let's give 30 grand to gay pride instead. Brilliant, Mr Chairman. All in favour? Every little helps. And who who would write that? Come on. Yeah, you got it in one. Richard Littlejohn. I mean, a man who's so worried about homosexuality, he doesn't even live in the country anymore. It's all a little bit too embarrassing for him. He just loves that gay thing. You just so wanted one of his children to be gay so that he could kind of live with it because he's obviously got this big issue. He weaves it in all over the place. That, that You know, there are loads and loads of people who give money to cancer charities. Whether or not... You know, Tesco's decide to give their 30 grand to a cancer charity or old age pensioners or, you know, Albanian asylum seekers is their business. If they choose to give it to gay people, I mean, his idea of of gay people, and you so want them to move in next door to him in Florida, don't you? He says, is is people dressing up as Carmen Miranda and mincing up and down in their knickers. Don't judge everybody by yourself, Richard. That's a little bit offensive. I mean, you know, you you have your own faults, I'm sure, and I'm sure that at some time you've probably dressed up as Carmen Miranda, and if we find the pictures, we'll put them up on the LBC website. (laughs) Makes it so much easier. But uh, a a self-indulgent celebration of homosexuality. Yes. You really are back in the Middle Ages, aren't you, poor sir? He's doing his best, but unfortunately, I think sometimes he says things just to inflame people and get them going. Unless, of course, you think differently. 84850, Stephen LBC, 
uk. Love to hear from you this morning. Uh, Brigitte. And uh, great news about Christmas Day. Will you be opening the phone lines? Yep. Last year I put a clip of you talking to Noreen of Christmas Eve on YouTube. Yes, I've, I've seen that. It is on YouTube. It is. I've forgotten where it came from, actually. Well, I, mean, I knew it obviously came from, from the station, but to be honest with you, I couldn't remember exactly uh, which particular programme. Chris and George from Kensington. Oh, but uh, we, we, ha- we have Christmas. We have Christmas. It's not that far, is it? John and Lindy going, yippee, for Christmas. It just goes to prove none of you know what to do on Christmas Day, do you? Do you, do you do what we do as a family? You sit down there, OK, and we have Christmas lunch, and, and you sit in front of the television. And you turn the television on, and you watch any old twaddle that comes up. Any old rubbish that comes up, we sit there, oh, and then gradually somebody will fall asleep. And then eventually somebody will wake up and go, does anyone want a cup of tea? And you go, let's have a cup of tea. Whereas, you know, if we were in Finland, we could have got the sledge out and gone sledging and, you know, throw snowballs. Well, you can't actually throw, throw snowballs in Finland because the snow is not the right snow. The wrong snow on the tracks, I'm afraid. And, uh, and, and, and that, that's how it works. Over here, we just plonk in front of the television and we don't actually do anything. And I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that, that we don't, we don't get out often enough over Christmas. We used to do it years ago. We would go out for a walk, sometimes to the local pub, and then when you come back, there would be this... Uh, this sort of Christmas dinner, which was all ready for you. I quite like that idea. I'm all in favour of that. You know, doing, yeah, let's have a coffee. Go on, let's push the boat out. Woo, 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 woo. You might have to empty that cup out of the, uh, the re- remains of the tea, I'm afraid. Not very nice. I mentioned yesterday about Catherine Jenkins, and she has a stalker. And uh, he's not a very nice person. Uh, I believe that uh, they're in the process of finding... Because if, if you stalk somebody on the internet, we know exactly who you are. We know exactly who you are. They have email addresses. You can get their address. You get the police involved and you drag these people into court. And uh, she appeared on a programme on Sunday. During questions tweeted into the show, she recognised the bully's name as it was read out by the presenter. She's been taunted. Th- this, this, this person um, taunted her on because her, her, her father died a short while ago. And, he, and he, he, he tweeted, oh, bringing out the dead daddy story again. Well, I'd have him into court so fast, ladies and gentlemen. His little feet wouldn't touch the ground. I, of course, they all then plead, oh, I'm a bit bipolar. I'm a bit this and a bit that. So uh, be warned. The police are clamping down on this particular one. And she said, you've set up a false account in my name where you slate and destroy my character. After blocking you, you still tried to find a way to target me this morning. Was, that was now a step too far. So good luck, Catherine. Take him in. Let's find out who he is. It'll be some sad dribbler. It'll be a, what they call a window, window sticker in the business. Somebody who's got very few friends and they dribble at windows. There's something mentally the matter with them. And uh, they all plead that afterwards. Oh, I, 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 was, I was only being funny. Yeah, right. Get him into prison, that's what I say. Fast as possible. No messing around. No messing around. So good luck there. You remember, of course, she had a, a poppy stolen before she sang at the Festival Remembrance on Saturday, worth 25000 I think, from Garrard, the jewellers. Uh, I don't think it was in her bag. I think it was in somebody else's bag, if, if, if memory serves me. But, uh, but to be taunted by somebody on Twitter, no, you go to the police immediately. The police have a special department. Notting Hill Police Station has a whole section of police officers, who I'm very familiar with, uh, on people who, who write abusive stuff about you. And you take them into court. You absolutely don't waste any time at all. You get them into court because that's the only way you can stop these people operating. Because what they, they generally do is hide behind other names. They don't actually put, you know, my real name is Billy Bottom or something like that. They'll, they'll make up, you know, I'm sort of, you know, peg leg 3217. But uh, easily found. Easily found. And once they're named and shamed, then you tell the neighbours all about them as well. And, uh, and then, they're, because they are sick. They're really sick people. 
other stories in the uh, papers today. G- George Michael rolling a cigarette on a balcony in Italy. I can only say he's rolling, as they say here. Uh, you know, a, a strange cigarette. I think he's a bit addicted. He has admitted that he is addicted to the wacky-wacky. And here he is with somebody uh, in Venice. Another bearded chum. And he said, to be honest with you, I mean, perhaps he just likes roll-ups. I don't quite know how it works. It, it might be one of those sort of things. But actually, the, the, the bloke with him looks like maybe he's sort of working in the hotel. Oh dear. As uh, a sort of... They're obviously wearing the hotel dressing gown, which is a little bit naff, I have to be honest. I only bought a new dressing gown the other day, actually. I decided that new dressing gown is on the cards for Christmas. I did buy one for a friend of mine a short while ago. £175 for a dressing gown. I nearly passed out. I nearly passed out. It is beautiful. It's all different. It's like Joseph's coat of many colours. You know, really, really... Really nice, really nice. I love the story of the play. I like a, We don't get enough good stories, do you? There's, there's, there's all too many miserable stories in the papers about this has happened, you know, we've had Remembrance Sunday and Saturday where we remember the war dead, but at the same time, people go and target and stand outside and will burn poppies and stupid things like that. You know, I wish we could actually clamp down very quickly on these people, but there's too many of these uh, ambulance-chasing lawyers who go, well, it's their human rights, isn't it, you know, these people here. It's not their fault they've been fleecing you for years and then they sort of do this. It's because they're sad and lonely and don't have any friends. But here is... Uh, a lovely little guy, and his name is Hale Jordan, and he's eight years old, and he's an internet tycoon at eight. His his company is Marble King UK, uh, sorry, dot co dot UK, and he sells tubs of marbles to limited edition Duke of York solitaire tables. He comes from Stoke Newington. He says, my dr- he's eight. My dream is to have a chain of stores, he says, like, uh, like, um... Uh, Hamleys, and he says, uh, but selling all sorts of marbles. He says, my friends love that I have my own business. At first, some of them didn't believe me, but they do now. So uh, good for him. He said, they're some of my best customers. I love marbles and love having my own marble company. He began trading marbles because uh, I don't know if you've ever been into certain shops, but you can buy marble. They're absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic marble. But he's now got the company selling them, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But uh, he's, he started getting orders flooding in at eight. He's, he knows how to operate computers. Because you get them at eight who can operate computers, and then you get them at 98 who can operate computers, and then you get people like me who can't do a thing on the computer. It's bad enough trying to forward an email on to somebody. I've no idea how to do it. Not a clue. I mean, I, each time somebody tries to explain it, printing a page off is, is a bit of a challenge. But he loves marbles, and so we now call him Marble King. And so at eight years old, he's trading and selling marbles. So well done to him. Well done. Uh, Paul says, the Jim will fix it special presented by Shane Ritchie is only a one-off tribute show. Yes. Well, oh, that, well that's good. Enough. I feel a bit better about it now. And he says, yes, I, I, I did know about Jimmy Savile's coffin has now been encased in concrete because there were rumours that he was buried with all his jewellery. Now then, now then, bling, bling, bling. And so there would be, let's face it, if, if people will take from war memorials tributes to the, to the war dead, you know, then they will happily dig up somebody's coffin if they thought there was money inside it or jewellery. So they've covered it in concrete. It is, incidentally, only a, only a cheap coffin, which they've sprayed. I think it was aluminium, and they sprayed it gold to make it look uh, as if it was... They're not actually going to bury somebody in a gold coffin. So they've now encased it in concrete. Isn't it terrible when you have to encase something in concrete just so that you can, uh, you can make sure that nobody digs him up? You know, 
Uh, Katie says, I missed the Big Brother finale. Can you tell me who won? Well, I don't know. I didn't even know it was still on the television. How sad that you're actually watching things like that, Katie. You must get out and get a life, love. Nobody was watching it. Yeah, I think she's being ironic. It, it was won by... by it was won, won by somebody with no brain. It's all like, I don't know, man, woman, could be anything, I suppose. And uh, Trevor says, read the fuel debate. I hope some MP will point out the injustice of charging VAT on fuel duty. I'm a little bit worried that only 100,000 people complained about the full fuel duty. That means the rest of you are more than happy to pay the fuel duty. Only 100,000. You know, if it was a million, they d- they're not going to do anything about 100,000. You might actually get a debate opened up. But that's about as far as it goes. They're not going to change that. 100,000 people? Pfft, drop in the air. There's more than that listening now. More than that listening now. It's all very sad. Very sad. Unless, of course, you think differently. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Would you like to see the return of, of Jim will fix it? Do you think that would be the sort of pro- granting people's wishes and dreams and hopes and things like that? Dear Shane, I would like you to arrange to sit in on the Steve Allen Show on LBC 97.3. And then they go, well, is it, can we make your dream come true? We surely can. So you can do that. In fact, you can join us just after the news at six this morning. Take more of your texts and emails, steve at lbc.co.uk or 84850 or LBC973. All of that and more to other side of the news, which is next. I'll go rushing upstairs a second ago. Run, run me, re, run. Even the people upstairs were a bit surprised to see me running. <laughs> Ran upstairs and, uh, and brought breakfast down this morning, which I thought was very good of us. So courtesy of uh, Laura at the Pure Package Company. Thank you very much indeed. She's got a banana next door now. She's very happy. She's got banana and muesli, which apparently is the best way to start the day. And uh, I might have a pear a little bit later on. Way as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got muffins, too. Oh, very exciting. No, I never get things like that at all. My friend Chris Allen, he says, 50, I'm 53. How did you manage to go in reverse? Christmas in Dubai, we go to the beach, not good. We need snow and cold. Come back here, you can have it all. At the moment, we're mild. At the moment, we're very mild. I bumped into Johnny Vaughan earlier on. He's rushing through. He went, you're on fire this morning. I went, yeah, his trousers are halfway down his bottom. He's doing one of those sort of days today. So... <laughs> Obviously, just rushing through the building, which is quite nice. Uh, Kevin in Sheffield says, I listened to you on my way home from working my night shifts. And uh, I agree with you on reality shows. Ban them all and get back to some quality comedy and drama. You know why they won't do it? It's because it's cheaper to do a reality show. They can spend less money. Well, you know, to, if, if you look at the budget for something like Downton Abbey or any of these big variety shows on the on the television, it's huge. You can get a reality show. So you pay somebody like Mark Wright, I don't know, £30,000. Probably less than that. By the time his agent's taken money off and, and all the bits and pieces, I'm sure that Jonathan's doing OK out of it. But, you know, that that's how they work it. And it's cheap television. And it can get a bigger audience. If you put a comedy show on, you have to convince people that it's very funny. And how many times have we turned on the television, we've watched a comedy programme and we've gone, well, that's not very good. And the moment it gets panned by the critics, nobody watches it. So you've committed yourself. And that's why it was very interesting. John Warrington gave me a documentary on the making of Coronation Street, where Tony Warren had said, I've written this, this northern drama, and he had to convince the people at Granada to make the thing. And it, it was a great programme, so it's got Celia Imrie in, and as far as I'm concerned, Celia Imrie could stand there, start naked, and whistle, you know, Dixie, as far as I'm concerned, and she would still be utterly brilliant. And, and I, I watched it, and it was very interesting to see the way they were working at Granada. Who's going to be interested in ordinary people? Who, who wants to watch this? 
uh, you know, people in a street. It was going to be called Florizel Street originally. And they said, well, and you've got these characters. Yes, Elsie, uh, Elsie Tanner, but I only want northern actresses. And I remember that vividly because now they bring in people and they do the accents. Because so sometimes you get somebody going in there and, uh, you know, they talk northern, like well, how we think people talk northern when we come from down south even though they don't draw like that at all. It's not all flat caps and whippets. I have to, no, most of the time it is a true and a, and a hovis loaf. But uh, you have this, and he said, I only want northern actresses. Now they, they bring in people from down south because they're actresses. They can actually play northern. But he was looking for gritty northern drama, and they went for it, and, and, and the public imagination was gripped. The public liked ordinary people because they could identify with it. Unfortunately, now we've gone so far down the line for reality shows... That you, think that, that you think to yourself, they're not ordinary people, they're slightly cracked. In fact, actually, most of them are slightly cracked. You've only got to look at any of the programmes from Essex to Geordie Shaw to the, the Chelsea programme. At the moment, we have a programme about transvestites on the television, people changing their sex and sitting around talking about, you know, why they like to wear girly clothes and all this kind of stuff. The trouble is they do, in fact, look like blokes in women's clothes. You can, very rarely can you actually get away with it, apart from a few people like Tula, who was a page three girl. That would have upset uh, a couple of uh, columnists, I should imagine. Uh, and there was a very famous transsexual years ago called April Ashley, who opened a restaurant and was very, very famous. And, uh, and when you look at Tula and you think, blimey, absolutely amazing. And there is, I think, another one who isn't a girl, but looks as a girl model, and I think he's Norwegian or something like that. But when you look at the ones over here, they, they need telling how to dress, because some of the outfits are very inappropriate. Very inappropriate. Some of them look, look terribly good, but it's, it's obviously something that's going on inside. It's obviously not externally. I'd love to hear from you this morning if you've ever borrowed money. The reason I ask is because um, a loan shark company, a legal loan shark company called Quick Quid have stopped targeting soldiers. This is a company that was charging 1,700% interest. And after it was mentioned yesterday, we did it yesterday, some of the newspapers did it as well, uh, they actually were, were trying to tempt the military. The firm's website had a section which boasted, you provide security and protection for your country, shouldn't your armour against financial problems include access to military loans when you need them? Well, they, they were paying here, I think, 359% interest over 30 days. Which means that if you borrowed 50 quid, you pay back £65, which is ten times more than the dearest credit cards on the market. Well, uh, there's still work to be done, say the, uh, the Mirror, because a second website has been exposed, Easy Military Loans. And what they're targeting is soldiers. They're actually targeting people who get themselves into financial debt and they can't go to the bank because the bank won't give them any more money. Uh, they can't remortgage because they're mortgaged up to the hilts, their credit cards are at the top. Where do you go? You go to companies like this, because they will lend you the money, but it's based on your property. And if you don't follow their rules, they'll take it away from you. We've seen cases in the papers before where poor people have taken out loans of, say, just 500 to to £1,000 to do something that they needed, and because they'd missed the deadlines on paying, the debt had escalated. In one case, the couple were up to £63,000. For a a £1,000 loan. And that's why, at this time of year, you have to be on your guard. Have you been tempted? Do tell me. LBC. So the question is, have you ever been tempted to go to some of these companies? Or, like me, do you sit there with your jaw on the floor going, you know, how much percent interest? These are, 
you know, various companies. You've seen them on the television. There's, uh, there's one here, which I think is Payday Loans, and they saw, offer similar, similar deals to people. And it's obviously targeting a particular section of the community. I mean, I'm actually, fingers crossed, quite, quite good at looking after money. Well, actually, I'm not that good. I have other people who do it for me. But they've got 370 money shops around Britain. So there's obviously a need for them, but have you ever used them? Have you ever been in there? And, I mean, some of them are almost like, um, you know, you, you go in there and say, I'll, I'll, I'll deposit my Auntie Enid and I'll come back and collect her in a week's time. How much? And they go, not really a lot. There's not much call for old people like that anymore. And so you have to take her back home again, and that's all a bit disappointing. But this is after Quick Quid uh, have stopped targeting soldiers with high-interest loans. They don't want to pay 359% interest. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm even shocked that cards like Barclay Card or some of the major high street retailers, their rates of interest are way above the rate of inflation. Absolutely. They're so shocking. You think it's obviously aimed at people who are not very good with money anyway, who are now going to be even worse with money. And that's the problem. If you've ever... If you've ever done or been tempted to take out one of these loans, have you tried every avenue... Have you been to the bank? Have you, have you tried, you know, family, friends, things like that? It depends how much you're asking for, I suppose. 84850, steve at uk. I said earlier that Nick's going to be taking up this, this thing in Oxford where they want to put in, I think by the year 2015, all 650 of their licensed cabs, because they're lucky in Oxford, they don't have the problem we have in London with the illegal minicabs, which is just about anybody who arrives in who's got a sat-nav or an A to Z. It used to be A to Z, now they've all got sat-navs. And uh, they want to put in recording equipment in the back so they can record the conversation and have CCTV images as well. To be honest with you, I thought they were already in some of the cabs in London. Because sometimes we see, you know, I, I, I walk through the, the, through the doors of a bank and I'm immediately on CCTV, walk into a supermarket, I'm on CCTV. Every floor in this building has got CCTV. You can't go through a door without there being a CCTV. There must be thousands in this building, thousands of them, and they're everywhere, absolutely everywhere. So you, you can't get in this building unless you've got one of these magic cards to open up the doors. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to know, actually, whether or not you think it's a, a good idea for that, that kind of thing. And the other thing is, is the fuel debate, which Nick's going to be covering. And again, only 100,000 people have complained about the fuel duty. I'd have thought the entire country would be standing up, going, have you seen the price of petrol? I mean, you don't get anything for it. You seem to get less miles. I don't know what they're putting in it. Obviously not as much as possible. I mean, there must be a cheaper way of doing it, surely. But the government makes so much money out of it, they're not going to give up on that one, are they? It's only 100,000 people out of, what, 70 million? They're just... They're going to laugh. Blimey. Ridiculous. Uh, Noreen says, learnt a few things, read the family yesterday. There's nothing nicer than finding out about the family. Although, in this case, a second cousin of hers was a prisoner of war in World War II, uh, but did get the George Cross, which is in the RAF Museum at Hendon, where, by chance, we are going next week on an outing. Oh, it's lovely. I love it. I've been to that museum before. It's really lovely, actually. But uh, there, was a, there was a horrible bit about the second cousin. I didn't want to mention on the programme this morning because it was just too awful. But uh, we, have, we have started rehearsing for The Mermaid. <laughs> sort of started rehearsing for The Mermaid. I'm not really sure, actually, whether that's, that's the right description. Uh, strangely, as we talked yesterday about University Challenge, talking about quiz shows on the television that you liked, and University Challenge was one of those that you did like, and Martin said, I thought one of the teams on University Challenge were sitting on top of the other one. It wasn't until you pointed it out that I realised that uh, it was not the case. Uh, June also was at the Royal Albert Hall on Saturday. And, uh, and Mark Rhodes up at Angels. We're very much looking forward to showing you the Advent <laughs> calendar this year. Very much looking forward to that. And, uh, and Graham Cole, lovely Graham Cole, and he says... Um, 
I'm off to Garrick Litchfield to play Scrooge in Christmas Carol today, so I shall try and listen online and hopefully see you at the Rats Ball on the 27th. Keep up your wonderful work and have a fabulous Christmas. Well, I'm here over Christmas and delighted to be so. So just to remind you again, for those people who are not listening to the podcast, and shame on you, because uh, we weave it all in from five till seven every morning. And, uh, and just as much we weave in as well on the In Conversation programmes. And I'm going to be here on Christmas Eve, which is Saturday, and that's seven till ten, Saturday evening, which is nice. And then Christmas Day, just to really help you open the presents a bit quicker, going, come on, quickly, he's on, the, he's, he's on now, come on, ten till two. And on Boxing Day, ten till two, he's on, he's on the radio again, come on. Quick, rush over there, turn on the radio, and uh, we'll open up the phone lines for you as well. Then you could tell me what rubbish presents you got for, for Christmas this year. Because there's, there's bound to be the naff presents, isn't there? There's bound to be the worst present in living memory, which will be, uh, which will be turning and be going, who the dickens bought me this? Who the blooming hell bought me that one? Sam says, I had to take out a payday loan with Quickquid, borrowed £100, £125 pounds to pay back, getting calls every day offering me more money at next payday. That's the trouble. Once you start borrowing, I think you go on a list. And I think you then get targeted by other companies. And they then go, right, this is a person who needs... Because, to be honest with you, £100 isn't very much money. It's not a lot of money. If you don't have £100, it's a fortune. And that's why to borrow 100 and pay back £25 interest is targeting people who are in a different bracket. And that, that's the problem, Sam, because if you went to your bank, and you might not have a bank account, I don't know, some people don't have bank accounts, and said, I'd like to borrow some money, and they, they would look at your history, and they'll go, sorry, we can't, because they, they'd be making sure they were going to get their money back, but the interest rate would be a lot less than some of these companies. When I look at these interest rates, I'll tell you why the government have not intervened. They're all perfectly legal. I'm just thinking, nobody forces you to take a loan out. They will do their best to make you take a loan out with them. They'll say, listen, it only takes 20 minutes. Just phone us now, and the money can be in your bank account by lunchtime. And that's what you want to hear. It's like going on a diet. What you want to hear is, if you take this tablet, and you take it every day for a week, and you're losing too much weight, stop taking the tablet. That's what you want to hear, because you think, it's the miracle cure. It's like there is no miracle cure to getting out of debt apart from sitting down with somebody who can look at it objectively and say, right, let's... I remember going into the bank one time and I was in debt £10,000 because they'd given me an American Express card, which I loved, but I'd, I'd taken out a loan on it. I can't remember what it was for. And I was £10,000 in debt, but I wasn't earning enough money to pay it back. And they called me and he said, listen, we need to consolidate this and this is what we're going to do. And, of course, you sit there and it's a bit like being a naughty schoolboy. You know that whatever you spend, you're going to have to pay back... You just don't really want to hear it. You don't want somebody to sit down and go, listen, I know we lent you the money, but we want it back. And we want it back with interest. And so until we get it back, we're going to keep your checkbook and, and card so that you can't get any more money. Because I was resorted to going round with my checkbook and card to some of these um, bureau de changes. I used to go to one in Earl's Court and take out £50. And I would walk away with, I think, £48 because it was £2 commission. It might have been a bit less than that. Whatever it was, I, I would only write out because I only had a £50 check guarantee card. But I knew I didn't have any money, but I knew that they wouldn't check. So I could at least get £50 out. And then the bank started writing. And you know when you get letters from the bank and you start going, I know who that's from. I know who that's from. And then you open it and they go, would you please like to contact the office, ask for a Mr. whoever it happened to be. And I thought, oh, God. And you have to face it. You know, it's, it's no good. We had that poor couple the other day, and I don't want to see more repeats of that, of a couple who, who took their own lives. They both committed suicide because they didn't have any money to live on. They were living on £57 a week. 
and nobody went to their help. Nobody, you know, people must have known for God's sake. You know, you see people going out at this time of year, not just this time of year, any time of year. There's people to help. Do you know anything about your next door neighbours? Probably not. Nobody cares, do they? Nobody, everybody, oh, sod them, let, worry, let them worry about themselves. But you have to face up to it. It's like being an alcoholic. If you've got problems with money, you need to talk to somebody who can advise you and write letters to companies. You can always declare yourself bankrupt. There is that as an option. And there are various books and things online telling you how to go about it. There's not the stigma attached to it. And you can write to companies. You know, the Citizen Vice Bureau will offer you advice on writing to people saying, listen, there's no point in writing him letters. He doesn't have any money at the moment. Let's look at this logically and see how we can help somebody out. Brian says, read the loans. The TV adverts always have a very articulate lady in beautiful kitchen with an expensive laptop. Why would she need to borrow 50 quid at 500%? I agree, there's always a lady sitting there. Yes, oh, that's marvellous. Look, the cheque's arrived. How marvellous. Look, 50 pounds. And you're quite right, actually. 5,000% is one. I think 5,320%. But there again, they're looking at top risk, I should imagine, because the, the, at the worst... They're going to send round a, a little man to come and knock on your door. And he's not going to be a little tiny man going, do you have any money to, to pay us back this? No, it's going to be a great big hulking man. And they're going to get a court order and they're going to take stuff. Because they want their money back. If you borrow, you've got to pay back. Pat says, I borrowed off friends and relations in the past. Paid back in instalments. Also lent some money to somebody who told me a tale about bailiffs being about to take his girlfriend's brother's toys. I never got that back. I always think if somebody has to ask you for money, they need it and they're not... You're not going to get it back. You kind of have to write it. I've done it before. I've done it before. Sarah says, there's another advert on the TV for loans with an APR of 555, 5,553.37%. Yes, I know. I mean, how desperate would you have to be to borrow money at that rate of interest? I mean, it's dreadful. She says, great show. You always make me smile. I know, I get depressed talking about money, though. I'm very depressed talking about money. 84850, uk, And, um... Uh, we'll take some more of your texts and emails in a moment. Margaret tells me that uh, at the Borough Welsh Chapel, 11 o'clock on the 11th of December, Bryn Williams will be taking part along with uh, Simon Hughes' Christmas lunch with Sprouts following the service down there. Well, tempted me already. Tempted me already. And she says, please say hello to my sister Elizabeth, who I shall see later. I hope she's listening to LBC 97.3. The time is now 6.30. Every early breakfast, 25 minutes to 7. This, uh, this chilly morning, what would you write in? If, is they going to bring back this, uh, this tribute to Jim will fix it? I just think it's an excuse for a television programme, to be honest with you. And Shane Ritchie's going to be handed. What would you write in for? Did you ever write in to Jim will fix it? I know we, we did this a short while ago on, uh, on whether or not. What would you write in for now? What would you write? You know, can you bring down the fuel duty price, Jim? Dear Jim, I love you a lot. Can you have a word with the government to bring down the fuel duty so that we can have cheap petrol over Christmas? Almost like a bonus. Like, you know, the, the winter warmer for the pensioners and for the motorists. We're going to knock 20 pence off a litre. I mean, what a miracle that would be. I can't believe the price that it's going. I looked the other day, 142.9, which I always think is 143. I don't know why they fiddle about with 142.9. What would happen if you just put one litre in and went, uh, 142.9? And where would the change be coming in that one? Do, do let me know. And they'd be going, ah, no, it's clicked over. You can't exactly put a litre's worth of petrol in, because it's such an infinitesimal amount before it clicks onto the next bit. So you're a bit stuck, I'm afraid. So uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, or lbc973. Uh, plus, of course, we'd like to uh, hear if you've used any of these loan companies. How desperate have you become? Have you actually got that desperate that you've had to, to go to see somebody? Because you've exhausted all the avenues. You've been to the bank, they've said, not really. 
and uh, and you've tried the Visa card and stuff like that, and they've said not really, and the family go, haven't got anything at all. You know, I mean, do you then start raiding the kids' piggy bank and start going through that, going, how much have I got in there? Because sometimes you'd be surprised how much kids can squirrel away, and you go, Mummy and Daddy are just going to borrow this for a little while, okay? just tide us over the festive season. In fact, it'll be paying for your presents, because I reckon most presents this year will go on credit cards. That's what happens, isn't it? It goes on, on credit card, because it's not like spending money. It's not physically like handing money over to somebody, you know, taking pound note, pound notes, taking fivers or tenors or £20 notes out of your wallet is, is not it. You put it on a credit card, you just say, forget about it. And then, of course, the bill comes in, you go, did I really buy that much over Christmas? Did I really spend that much? And the answer is, yes, you did. 84850, steve at I must, I'm, I'm, also, I was going to ask you, and I was, was going to say it for tomorrow, I keep seeing adverts on the tube, I'll have to write them down today, uh, and on the underground, for all these comedians I've never heard of who have brought out comedy DVDs for Christmas. Quite clearly, we're all so depressed that we want a bit of a laugh. So if you're a fan of, say, Mickey Flanagan... He's, he's brought out his first live DVD, and he's very funny if you like that kind of thing. Because I would have thought, if you've been to see him, why would you want to hear the same jokes again? But there again, we watched Les Dawson, and Les Dawson did the same act for Donkey's Years, like Frankie Howard did, like Freddie Starr does the same act all the time, and Ken Dodd, to a certain extent. And I was never the biggest fan of Ken Dodd. I quite appreciate what he does. But, I mean, I'm sure he, he's probably got a DVD out as well. I can tell you now that Jennifer Ellison is bringing out a DVD. It'll be the fitness one, OK? She's stick thin, all right? She's stick thin. So she's never worried about being fat because she's had a baby. And that means she can then bring out, you know... A, and that's what people do nowadays. They just bring out a DVD and they go, I brought out the DVD. And, and that's to help you lose weight for, for Christmas. And so people then go, oh, that's great, I'll, I'll go and buy this DVD, and then I can, you know, and I'll lose weight and I'll be a thin person again. And you go, well, you're not really going to be a thin person again, are you? Because you just put the weight on again next year, like Natalie Cassidy did, like Colleen... No, everybody, they've all done it. Not one person has actually kept the weight off, which is, which is a little bit sad, I'm afraid. But uh, I've noticed, we were talking yesterday about the Christmas number one, and the Christmas number one... Is, uh, is, is, is or could be the Wombles. And you think to yourself, oh, please, Lord above, it can't. And they've done a spoof video. The spoof video is of uh, Jedward. It's, it's not real, real Jedward, it's just pretend Jedward. And Simon Cowell on a panel voting for the Wombles for Christmas because they've re-released their We Wish You a Wombling Merry Christmas. And I'm thinking to myself, I liked it first time round. I wonder if they've actually re-recorded it or, or if they're just going with the old one. It'll be something worth looking at. On, on the subject of the, of the fuel debate, Nick will be having a field day with that. He drives a car. I should imagine his car gets through as much petrol as mine does. So they'll be complaining about that bitterly. And, uh, and they're talking about cycling. Now, you know cycling drives me mad. I have no problem with cyclists. I cycle myself every so often. But what I would like to do is make sure that cycles, if they're on the main road and not on the pavement, I want to see more people being fine. I don't drive my car on the pavement... Because certainly keep people interested if you did. But I, I want to see people observing red traffic lights. Not, they're, they're not there for fun. They're not there for fun. So, uh, your thoughts on that? At 20 to 7. Now, a host of celebrities flocked to Covent Garden yesterday evening to celebrate the 20th anniversary of a pretty unusual West End show. LBC 97.3's Charlie Girling went to yesterday's event to find out more about Stomp. It started as a street performance at the Edinburgh Festival and with the cast using broomsticks... Pots and pans, garbage cans and even kitchen sinks. It's fair to say Stomp isn't your average West End night out. But it must be doing something right, as today marks its 20th anniversary. 
There's a special gala performance scheduled this evening at its home in London, the Ambassador's Theatre. But earlier today, the show went back to its roots with a street performance in Covent Garden Piazza. And I caught up with the men behind it all. I'm Luke Creswell. Um, I'm Steve McNicholas, and together we're creators of Stomp. It's, it's a sort of... Uh, it's a sort of it's a hybrid rhythmic sort of journey, but the only language used is rhythm. So there's no words, and there's humour in it, and because it can be quite eccentric, but there's a lot of movement in it, and there's a lot of rhythm in it. So it's really that journey, really. We get shows opening and shutting in the West End all the time. What do you think has made this so popular with people that they're still coming to see it 20 years on? I think it's a, I think because rhythm is a universal language, and I think it appeals to everyone around the world. I mean, Stomp's toured all over the world for that reason, um, and I think humour is also a universal language. I think you put the two together. It's a very emotive force, and um, and it just seems to be—it doesn't seem to go out of date. It just seems to keep going. Obviously, ninety-seven point three is Charlie Gurney. I remember seeing Stomp when it first came out, and I remember thinking, "What a strange show that is!" And they had various versions of it, and then various Australians came over and started jumping with dustbin lids. I think one year they overegged the pudding because they put them on the Royal Variety performance, and every so often they would bring them on as almost like a filler act in between the, all the other ones. And if I saw another person dancing with a dustbin lid or a broom, I was prepared to throw myself off the, uh, the first floor balcony. But uh, it never happened. But it was, it's, it's the kind of thing, it's, it looks really good and it just took dance to a different level. So that's why, I, that's why I liked it. And I'm sure that you have thoughts on it as well. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk So we're talking today about the, the loan companies. It's after a couple of the papers yesterday decided to clamp down on the companies who are targeting military personnel, like the last people you want to target, the last people you want to target, and also the vulnerable. And it's always the vulnerable who get caught up in this because they're the people who need the money the most, but the extortionate interest rate. I mean, I sit there in disbelief, but they're perfectly legal. They can almost charge whatever they like. And I suppose what they're doing is they actually say, oh, it helps people out of short-term debt. Yeah, out of short-term debt into long-term debt because it's, it's very rare. People always say, right, if I just had this amount of money to clear up, I'll be fine. But the trouble is, either you can manage money or you can't manage money. And if you can't manage money, then you need to go to an expert. And we all sit there, all blinkered, thinking we know all the answers, we can do all of this stuff. And in fact, we can't, because we're we're just not very good at managing our money. I can remember the situation, and you probably remember it as well, that uh, your money would come in at the end of the month, and then by the time you've taken out all your deductions... You're going, I'm back where I started again. So you get into debt for the next month. And so it rolls on. And then somebody goes, would you like to take out a loan? You go, yeah. And you get the loan and you don't pay off your debts with it. You tend to use it for, at this time of year, it'll be Christmas. Because what what do parents do? If you've actually got children, it's very difficult to actually try and work out, you know, if you haven't got any money, how you're going to pay for Christmas presents. What do you do on Christmas morning? Father Christmas didn't call last night, did he? But don't worry, here's a, here's a chocolate soldier, and that'll see you through until hopefully about uh, New Year's Day. This is LBC 97.3. Alan. Nick's going to be going mad this morning after the news at seven. What with, what with cycling... And uh, they'll be talking about the second fatal collision at the cycle superhighway black spot and uh, talking to Debbie Dawling, who's the widow of Brian, who was the first man killed at Bow Junction. That's not the happiest of things. The trouble is, you see it all the time on the road. You see cyclists who are either not aware of cars and cars who are not aware of cyclists and lorries who are not aware of cyclists and then cyclists who jump traffic lights and nearly knock over pedestrians who are trying to get over the road. Cyclists on pavements all the time. It's become the norm 
I'm afraid I've started getting very angry about that. So, Nick, I'm, I don't know how Nick stands on the, the cycling bit, but it's, it's got quite out of hand. And now we've got the Boris bikes, and I love them. Don't get me wrong. I've got two of the little cards. Uh, plus, he's going to be talking about why, why we don't seem to mind paying too much fuel duty. If, as I said before, only 100,000 people have bothered complaining about it and saying, oh, no, we've got to reduce the tax and all this kind of thing. I'm complaining this morning about the ridiculously high interest rates that are being charged by some of these loan companies. Perfectly legal. And the other thing, and I've only just thought of it now, in light of the, the Wombles cleaning up Christmas with We Wish You a Wombling Merry Christmas, can it not be one year? Could it not be that we could have lots of famous artists, like Alexandra Burke, whoever, releasing Christmas carols? And they go into a studio and they do that super makeover, which Psycho can do with their... You know, if you can make Susan Boyle sound good, there's hope for all of us. I might release an album myself. And bring out Christmas carols so that the number one could be Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know, and you have a huge chorus and the singers and the... Why can't they do that? Wouldn't it make it so much more entertaining than having to sort of worry about whether the Wombles are going to be number one? I would love to, love to hear from you. And they're also looking in the paper today, just on a completely different tack, about celebrity embarrassments. And the celebrity embarrassment, is, you know, people like Richard and Judy. You know, Richard, is it because I is black? You know, was his sort of classic line where he dressed up as Ali G. Or just Richard embarrassing, full stop. Pamela Anderson gets a 99%, uh, as do Jordan and Peter Andre. Uh, two embarrassments, spent their entire lives selling stories about their, their love life. You wait till the kids are old enough to Google. You wait. And then the other one, who is a, who is a total embarrassment... Is it doing it? We don't know, do we? <laughs> oh, that's good, is it? Oh, right. Oh, look, it's there. Nearly there. Is it there? Oh, it's there. Oh, right. I don't know what we do from now, and I've got no idea now. I'm all confused. No, no, I'm talking. The computer went all... The screen went all black. And it just and everything vanished, and we've had various people come in and fiddle about with the knobs and everything else, and uh, hopefully it'll it'll burst. Oh, there it is! Good lord, look at that! Oh, it's unbelievable! It's come back again! Oh, well done! How clever are you? That's why you're paid that amount of money because you're very clever. Uh, the other person, the biggest embarrassment, Kerry Katona. Thank you. The biggest embarrassment because I mean she's just you know the most pathetic thing I ever saw her do. In fact, she turned up on this morning the other day. What an embarrassment all round, I'm afraid. I think stay at home, dear. Go and get a job. Do something worthwhile with your life. We've seen you on all the reality shows. We've seen all the I'm doing it for me kids kind of rubbish, which is not really that interesting. And, uh, and then you explain to your children about doing cocaine. The worst thing I've, I've ever, ever seen on the television. But it is Jordan and Peter Andre, you know, just two tacky non-entities who sell stories to anybody who'll just about listen. They've also got Cherie Blair down, strangely, as an embarrassment. 78% thought she was embarrassing. See, I'd, I'd have put in Tamara Eccleston. Bit of an embarrassment. Anybody who does makeup for Tamara Eccleston is definitely an embarrassment. They've got Vanessa Feltz, cringe rating, 66%, because they say, you know, she's far too old to be dressing like her daughters. But then, her, her, you know, I think there is a certain area, isn't there, where you actually get to that age, and I, I have seen it before, and you go, we're mother and daughter, and you go, I know, but it just doesn't look right. It's not, you know, you're not, you know, you, you shouldn't really dress as a, as, as the sister, should you? I don't think so. We're just sisters. We're going out, and we're going to have drinks, and we do girly things together. No, you're her mother. And then you see a picture of the size of, uh, of Vanessa's daughters, and, uh, that they all look the same. In fact, they look like, like, they look like they're a girl group, strangely enough. Um, Steve, do you know it costs about £600 to file for bankruptcy? Yeah, but if you're hugely in debt, you just tack it on, don't you? Um, Anne says, we are living the reality of the programme made 30 years ago, The Prisoner, which was made in Wales. Oh, I know. We're on CCTV everywhere you go. I think driving into London, I think from, they said, was it the M4 
to Leicester Square, you can be caught by nearly a thousand cameras. Which I've, I find that quite pleasing. 300 cameras a day you are caught on. Is that pleasing? Not really. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, 84850. Uh, Steve, I would ask Jim to fix it for the reality TV programmes to be confined to the dustbin. There's too many of them now, isn't there? There really is, I think. Um, Lynn says, I think most of us have come unstuck with money at some time. Had to use Provident years ago. Now it's cash. Or if you shop online, a bread or virgin card you top up with cash. And I got myself into a bit of trouble, says Stevie, with my credit cards. Worked hard, paid them off. Now I've been told it'd be at least six years before I have good credit again. Any wonder people take extreme measures. I know. I've always said to people, no matter what you borrow, you've got to pay back. And I think people forget that. They think, oh, I'll just... Dis-. I mean, some people are lucky and they cheat the system. But uh, they, they, they do crop up at some point. Tom says, dear Jim will fix it. Could you make the X Factor go away for good? It's quite nice. And uh, Michelle works for the National Debt Line, a charity that offers free and impartial advice for people in debt. So uh, now you know. There's loads. I mean, I'd go and see either them or go see the Citizens Advice Bureau. Just go and see somebody, because until you start talking about in debt... You're never going to sort the problem out. You're never going to sort it out at all. Uh, Steve in Whitney says, I also thought it was a bit disappointing, Steve, that only 100,000 people voted for fuel duty to be debated. But then I remember the recent European Union debate that was also initiated via e-petitioning. During the debate, one MP took great delight in stating that in reaching 100,000 signatures, it doesn't guarantee a debate on any issue. It only makes the topic eligible. Perhaps that now puts people uh, off adding their name. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Looking forward to seeing you on the 3rd. And um, it, a court fee is about £700, says Alan, declaring himself bankrupt. Yeah, but, I mean, I've seen no end of celebrities doing it. I get annoyed when I see celebrities on the television who've earned a small fortune and are still working on television and they get themselves into debt. It's obviously easier, but it, it just takes debt management, does it? It takes somebody to sit down with you and go, right, what's coming in? What's going out? How do we, how do we sort this out? And they, they, people will help you. Steve, I too was one of those people who used to cash cheques in the 80s at the Earl's Court Bureau de Change. I'm so... uh, If you were there so often, I'm surprised we never bumped into each other. These days, says Dave in Streatham, I pay my credit card off when the bill comes in, but was surprised to get a letter yesterday saying they doubled my credit limit as I'd managed my account well. I don't earn stacks of cash. My new credit limit is irresponsible lending to my mind. I called them and asked them not to up the credit limit. You can do that. You can say to somebody, listen, I don't want... That much credit. I tried to get it up years ago and they wouldn't put it up. And then somebody said to me that if you don't have a credit rating within the bank, if, you know, you've not been in debt for years and years and years and you don't owe any money, they don't have anything on you. They would rather, strangely enough, you borrowed money. I told you the story years ago that I wonder why I didn't get a Christmas card from my bank, saying I thought I'm fairly good and I've got my savings with them. And he said, yeah, he said, but you haven't borrowed any money. I said, oh, right, do I need to borrow money? He said, yes, absolutely. Sharon says... I take all my spending out in £5 notes. That way I only spend £5 and the change goes in a pot. If you take £10, then you could spend £10. Budgeting is difficult, but put some money away each month for something important like a trip and you will have the money. I cannot believe some of these companies charge up to 2,650% and are advertising on TV. You're joking. 5,300, one of them is. 5,300%, that's the APR, which I I find absolutely horrendous. Ridiculous. Uh, a lot of people do link these loans, though, and they, they, they do put down there, you know, it could be linked to your property or something. Just be very careful. It's very, very easy. Richard in Wapping says, we need to bring variety television back again, relaunching old-time musical with your own, your very own Steve Allen. 
Well, I shall do it again tomorrow morning, where once again we shall bang the gavel. We shall uh, summon you to muster. We shall expect you all there at the end of your beds, looking uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, Nick will be getting angry this morning. I've just got a feeling about it. <laughs> you know when you get a day where you think he's not going to be happy about something? And today is the day. Sadiq Khan, Labour MP for Tooting, Shadow Secretary of State for Justice and Shadow Lord Chancellor, will be taking a look at the papers. There's not a horrendous amount in there, I'm afraid. There's some stories which, you know, don't bear talking about, and then there's some stories which they will. So it'll be fuel duty, cycles and taxes. Always gets people going, doesn't it? Do it again tomorrow morning. Do please join me from five. Don't forget to go to the LBC website and, uh, and check out all the nice things there. Nick and the team with you after seven. First of all, the business update, Sam Pittis. Thank you.